Greetings, everyone. This is Sheila Vance, author of the book Six Days in December, General George Washington and the Continental Army's Encampment on Rebel Hill, December 13th to 19th, 1777, and the novel Becoming Valley Forge. This is day six of the six-day encampment of General George Washington and the Continental Army on Rebel Hill before they marched into Valley Forge. So today is the day, very busy day, before they march into Valley Forge. So let's just get started, because there's a lot going on today, including the new nation's first Thanksgiving celebration. So day six, December 18, 1777. General George Washington's army celebrates the nation's first Thanksgiving on Rebel Hill and Gulf Mills and prepares to set up camp at Valley Forge. On December 18th, General George Washington's army celebrated the new nation's first national Thanksgiving in Gulf Mills and on Rebel Hill. The celebration caused a one-day delay in the army's march to Valley Forge, which General Washington had decided a day earlier was to be where the army would make its winter quarters. The purpose of the Thanksgiving, according to the November 1st, 1777 Proclamation of the Continental Congress, was for, quote, solemn thanksgiving and praise, end quote, and, quote, to inspire our commanders both by land and sea and all under them with that wisdom and fortitude which may render them fit instruments under the providence of Almighty God to secure for these United States the greatest of all human blessings, independence and peace, end quote. Reverend Israel Evans, chaplain to General Poor's New Hampshire Brigade, preached at least one of the Thanksgiving sermons. The text of his sermon was printed by Lancaster, Pennsylvania printer Francis Bailey, who is credited with being the first printer to name in print General Washington as, quote, the father of his country, end quote. General Washington received a copy of this Thanksgiving sermon on March 12, 1778. The next day, he wrote this thank you note to Mr. Evans. To Reverend Israel Evans, Headquarters, Valley Forge, March 13, 1778. Reverend Sir, your favor of the 17th, although in closing the discourse which you delivered on the 18th of December, the day set apart for General Thanksgiving to General Poor's Brigade never came to my hands till yesterday. I have read this performance with great attention, with equal attention and pleasure and at the same time that I admire and feel the force of the reasoning which you have displayed through the whole, it is more especially incumbent upon me to thank you for the honorable but partial mention you have made of my character, and to assure you that it will ever be the first wish of my heart to aid your pious endeavors to inculcate a due sense of the dependence we ought to place in that all-wise and powerful being on whom alone our success depends, and moreover, to assure you that with respect and regard, I am, etc. End quote. This first Thanksgiving celebration of the new nation was nothing like the Thanksgiving celebrations that we know today with abundant food and comfort. The 11,000 soldiers in Washington's army had very little food and very little comfort, although conditions had improved for some over the last few days. Their diaries explain. Dr. Alba Jens Waldo writes, quote, Universal Thanksgiving, a roasted pig at night, God be thanked for my health, 
which I have pretty well recovered, how much better should I feel were I assured by my family were in health? But the same good being who graciously preserves me is able to preserve them and bring me to the ardently wished for enjoyment of them again. And we'll hear about other soldiers in the next segment. Joseph Plum Martin, a private from Massachusetts, wrote about the first Thanksgiving in his 1830 book, which was titled A Narrative of Some of the Adventures, Danger, and Suffering of a Revolutionary Soldier, interspersed with anecdotes of incidents that occurred within his own observation. His diaries have since been republished under the title Private Yankee Doodle, as edited by George Scher and published by Little Brown and Company, 1962. Martin writes, quote, while we, lay the, while we lay here, there was a continental thanksgiving ordered by Congress, and as the Army had all the cause in the world to be particularly thankful, if not for being well off, at least that it was no worse, we were ordered to participate in it. We had nothing to eat for two or three days previous, except what the trees of the fields and forest afforded us. But we must now have what Congress said, a sumptuous thanksgiving to close the year of high living we had now, nearly even brought to a close. Well, to add something extraordinary to our present stock of provisions, our country, ever mindful of its suffering army, opened her sympathizing heart so wide upon this occasion as to give us something to make the world stare. And what do you think it was, dear reader? Guess. You cannot guess. Be you as much of a Yankee as you will. I will tell you. It gave each and every man half a gill of rice and a tablespoonful of vinegar. After we had made sure of this extraordinary superabundant donation, we were ordered out to attend a meeting and hear a sermon delivered upon the happy occasion. A gill is about four ounces. We accordingly went, for we could not help it. I heard a sermon, a sermon, a Thanksgiving sermon. What sort of one I do not no, now, nor did I at the time I heard it. I had something else to think upon. My belly put me in remembrance of the fine Thanksgiving dinner I was to partake of when I could get it. Well, we had got through the services of the day and had nothing to do but to return in order to our tents and fare as we could. As we returned to our camp, we passed by our commissary's quarters. All his stores, consisting of a barrel about two-thirds full of hocks of fresh beef, stood directly in our way, but there was a sentinel guarding even that. However, one of my messmates purloined a piece of it, four or five pounds perhaps. I was exceeding glad to see him take it. I thought it might help to eke out our Thanksgiving supper, but alas, how soon my expectations were blasted. The sentinel saw him have it, as soon as I did, and obliged him to return it to the barrel again. So I had nothing else to do but to go home and meek out my supper as usual, upon a leg of nothing and no turnips. The army was now not only starved, but naked. The greatest part were not only shirtless and barefoot, but destitute of all other clothing, especially blankets. I was to endure this inconvenience, moccasins made of cowhide, or to go barefoot as hundreds of my companions had to, till they might be tracked by their blood upon the rough, frozen ground. The army continued at and near the gulf for some days, after which we marched for the valley forge 
in order to take up winter quarters. We were now in a truly forlorn condition, no clothing, no provisions, and as disheartened as need be. General Washington's orders for that day largely focused on setting up the camp at Valley Forge, where the army would march to on December 19th. The first part of his orders focused on military discipline and court-martials. He is particularly focused on the procedure for hutting, that is, building the huts where the army will spend the winter. His very specific orders follow, including an award of $12 for a soldier in each regiment who finishes his hut first, and an award of $100 for any officer or soldier who comes up with a covering for the huts that is cheaper and quicker made than boards, which are in short supply. General Orders, Headquarters at the Gulf, December 18, 1777. The Major Generals and Officers Commanding Divisions are to appoint an active field officer in and for each of their respective brigades to superintend the business of hutting, agreeably to the directions they shall receive. And in addition to these, the commanding officer of each regiment is to appoint an officer to oversee the building of huts for his own regiment, which officer is to take his orders from the field officer of the brigade he belongs to, which is to mark out the precise that every officers and soldiers is to be placed on, that uniformity and order may be observed. An exact return of the tools now in the hands of every regiment is to be made immediately to the quartermaster, Mr. General, who, with the adjutant general, is to see that they, together with those in store, are duly and justly allotted to the regimental overseers of the work, who are to keep an account of the men's names into whose hands they are placed, that they may be accountable for them. The superintendents and overseers are to be exempt from all other duty and will moreover be allowed for their trouble. The colonels or commanding officers of regiments with their captains are immediately to cause their men to be divided into squads of 12 and see that each squad have the proportion of tools and set about a hut for themselves. And as an encouragement to industry and art, the general promises to reward the party in each regiment, which finishes their hut in the quickest and most workmanlike manner with $12. And as there is reason to believe that boards for covering may be found scarce and difficult to be got, he offers $100 to any officer or soldier who, in the opinion of three gentlemen he shall appoint as judges, shall substitute some other covering that may be cheaper and quicker made and will in every respect answer the end. The soldiers' huts are to be made of the following dimensions, viz., 14 by 16 each, sides, ends, and roofs made with logs, and the roof made tight with split slabs or in some other way. The sides made tight with clay, fireplace made of wood and secured with clay on the inside 18 inches thick. This fireplace to be in the rear of the hut. The door to be in the end next the street. The doors to be made of split oak slabs unless boards can be procured. Side walls to be six and a half feet high. The officers' huts to form a line in the rear of the troops. One hut to be allowed to each general officer, one to the staff of each brigade, one to the field officers of each regiment, one to the staff of each regiment, one to the commission officers of two companies, and one to every 12 non-commissioned officers and soldiers. After orders. 
the army and baggage are to march tomorrow in the time and manner already directed to the orders of the 15th. Instant, General Sullivan's division accepted, which is to remain on its present ground until further orders. So that was how the Continental Army celebrated Thanksgiving on December 18, 1777. And General Washington gave the Army its orders on how to prepare the huts at Valley Forge, which they were getting ready to march into the next day. So come back again tomorrow, and I'll tell you what happened on December 19, 1777, when George Washington and the Continental Army marched off Valley Forge, off Rebel Hill, excuse me, and into Valley Forge. So come back tomorrow. And I look forward to uh, you listening to me then. Peace.